0: Is it too much of a tease to say I'm going to have to have Rachel back on for a part two? Our guest today is overflowing with brilliant advice and life experiences that we barely touched on her illustrious career as a costume designer, nor discuss life with her adorable pug Iggy. And that's because Rachel has 25 years of chronic illness under her belt, and there was so much I wanted to know. Her diagnostic journey is a first for this program. At the time she first got sick, her syndrome didn't even have a proper name which makes it kind of hard to diagnose and treat, right? Her resilience is astounding, and her energy is infectious. You're really going to love getting to know Rachel on this week's The Chronic Illness Playbook. So first of all, uh, thank you, Rachel, for coming on the program. I'm really excited to get into all of this. There's a lot to get through. Uh, So I hope we can get through as much of this journey as we can. Um, For those of you who don't follow Rachel's amazing Instagram account, you can find her Instagram linked in the description of this podcast, uh, at R-A-C-H-E-L-V-A-L-A. And Rachel, we first bonded on Instagram because we both have POTS, Postural Orthostatic Tachycardia Syndrome. So can you take us through how long you've actually had POTS?
1: Oh, uh, almost 25 years. I'm a long hauler. Wow.
0: And I mean, that's that's very, I, I haven't met a lot of long haulers because yeah. just the diagnosing of POTS, I mean, I'm 13 years and it was archaic 13 years ago. What was yes. it like 25 years ago?
1: Well, it hadn't even been, quote, discovered. So that was, uh, that was really devastating. I was 14. So it took me about 17 and a half years to finally get testing and it sounds like you're just finally going through that right or... oh i
0: i, I did the uh, 13 years ago it was when i oh, first okay. got you sick did,
1: like the tilt table and all that
0: yeah i was very lucky i grew up in cleveland um so wow. i i went to the Cleveland clinic and they kind of knew what they were doing it it yeah. took them a while it still took about like you know 6 8 months for them to figure out you know, what department I should go to. Uh, and then they finally found the syncope clinic where they put me on the tilt table and I oh, did wow. some stuff. And they were oh, like, yeah. oh,
1: With yeah. The syncope clinic. There was, yeah, it was absolutely archaic. I mean, so it was 1995. Mm. So the internet was in its infancy. Um, and for me, it just happened bam, like overnight. I seemed to get some other virus. I felt kind of like a normal cold. And then I was just gone. Like I all of a sudden, you know, couldn't walk to the bathroom. Whereas I'd been extremely active. I took dance classes for like maybe a total of a dozen hours a week or so even.
2: Oh, wow. Yeah.
1: I'd been been really, really active. Um, So for me to not be able to move like that was a complete shock and completely different and I just of course thought like this is a really bad cold and it will go away. Unfortunately, I was quite wrong. I
0: think probably, now yeah
1: yeah, I think we've probably all told ourselves that that uh, you know this will go away and but I had never even I was not even familiar with the concept of chronic illness. I thought, you know, I was fourteen. I thought you got better or you died, and
0: <laughs> yeah, those seemed to be the only two options. Yeah,
1: that well, you know, that's kind of what medicine was like.
2: Mm. Is
1: um, so I would go in. You know, I went in with all these symptoms, and they'd say you're fine. It's just nothing. It's fine, which was ugh, devastating. Like I said, it was so hard to hear because I obviously was not fine Um, I could barely get I could like barely do a flight of stairs whereas before I was incredibly active like I said Mm -hmm. Um, so I remember very early on someone just saying um, someone in the neurology clinic just telling me well sometimes kids like this do well with salt and that's the only hint I got wow um, that was not near enough. That was not near enough guidance. I yeah. couldn't go to school in that state, so we were trying to finagle, you know, some kind type of homeschooling in the mid nineties, and Oof. that was really difficult in yeah. Wisconsin. <laughs> so my resources were really, really limited, unfortunately. Yeah. So I guess um, POTS was technically discovered about two years later after I had first come down with my or it was named as a syndrome i guess mm-hmm. as i had first come down but at that point i'd kind of given up going i mean i'd had every test you can think of and uh so it took me a, a very very long time to get diagnosed cuz i'd kind of given up i thought like well they're telling me i'm alright um i guess yeah. i'm fine i just feel completely terrible all the time mm-hmm. And it's it's unfortunate too because there's a lot about pots that is not um that is counterintuitive to how you feel. You know, there's not um it, it was not intuitive to me for what I should do to take care of myself.
0: Oh, absolutely. I'm when um, specifically for me, you know, when, when I was first diagnosed and they're like, Oh well you need to like exercise. And it's like, that's the last thing I want to do right now. Like, I used to be a runner. I used to be an athlete, that type of thing. And it's like, all I want to do is sit. And you're like, no, it'll make you feel better. And it's like, I don't believe you. I don't know if it's there. Yeah,
1: exactly. And that's really interesting because it seems like I've talked to so many of the people I know with pots were actually former dancers. I don't know if that, you know, maybe there's a little overlapping with like Ehlers-Danlos being really flexible and things like that. But it seems like a lot of people who develop pots were actually very active at the time. Um, if I could have cut that level of activity, <laughs> that would have been spectacular. Um, so yeah, that was incredibly hard. And unfortunately I didn't just keep going back to doctors all the time until I got an answer. Mm-hmm. Um, I just kind of thought, well, this is me now and that was very hard to live with
0: so what did you find that uh at the time what worked for you Uh, so you got the hint that it was salt maybe uh did you discover any other things
1: well I I really didn't do the right things until I was diagnosed unfortunately I mean there was a lot of lying in bed because I didn't know what else to do I was so sick if I didn't do that.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, I mean, I tried to push myself to the best of my ability, but yeah, it really wasn't until I got diagnosed and had a plan, had something to do that I could really get control of the symptoms. Because when you don't know what's going on, what what are you gonna what can you do?
0: Oh, I a hundred percent feel you're there. And yeah. I mean I my for me, those six eight months before I was diagnosed felt like a lifetime. I can't imagine going any longer than that. And just oh, wow. oh it was I'm yeah. Six
1: to eight months. Oh my gosh. Oh, oh and my I,
0: God, I feel God. I feel I feel shitty now. Saying like, oh, that was a long time, and people were like, it was years. And it's
1: like, oh, yeah, yeah. 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 You were pretty lucky on the spectrum. I mean, I, I hate to use the word luck, but. Considering yeah, I um I don't know what is the longest that that's a good question actually is is how long I I think I'm on the longer end of the spectrum.
0: It's, but, it's definitely the longest that I've, I've heard. And, you know, as I talk to more people, I'll let you know yeah, right now we've got our, really- our title holder. Yeah.
1: I do, I do wonder about that because I think a lot of people, there's so many people that seem to have outgrown it and are lucky and mm-hmm. kind of had it at that age. And they're like, Oh, I wonder if that's, that's the bout I went through, but mine, it has gotten better certainly since I've been diagnosed. It's, um, that, that was very key, is to know what I'm dealing with, you know, because all mm. I had was, like, maybe self helps, <laughs> But I had all these other, you know, I tried everything. <laughs> oh. I spent a lot of money trying a lot of things. But, yeah, it, diagnosis is crucial. So that's just... You know, all, just anything you can do to raise awareness truly is so important because it, the awareness is not there. I have now only seen, after having it for this long and after taking that long to be diagnosed, I only have seen the doctor who diagnosed me, who knew what it was. Everybody else that I have gone to seen, obviously, before and since – they had never
0: heard of it. And and that's just wild. Like Ed, early on after being diagnosed, I mean, you were in your teens and you were a female. And according to some doctors, that is the, I mean, now the research that they have, that is like your prototypical POTS patient. So I was 19 and a boy, and I would go to doctors post-diagnosis and say to them, oh, well, I have POTS. And they're like, no, you don't. And I'm like, well, no, yeah. And they're like, no, it just, it affects, you know, pubescent females. And I'm like, oh, and no. and guys? I mean, I'm a minority. There are, there are very few guys who have POTS. Um, but, you know, I get... Well, who I'm,
1: knows, though? I mean, um, I wouldn't be surprised if it ends up evening out a little more because I think... I think that's, yeah, I think it's a little more acceptable for a female to be chronically ill too, Mm -hmm. but there's also then the tag of being, you know, hypochondriac or histrionic or whatever. I remember this kind of just epitomizes how I was treated by everybody in my teens. I saw a neurologist. We did this long, long workup, and I kept... All of my papers, you know. Mm. Oh yeah, um, all my records still have them. Uh, <laughs> I saw this one neurologist who simply wrote, "Has nice hair, will get better." <laughs> so, yeah, that was real helpful. After I'd had, you know, I'd been really ill for months and months. Yeah. I actually was losing hair. I remember at that exact appointment, I was so stressed. I had like, I was losing a lot of hair. <laughs> But the hair is not the point. The hair is not what should be focused on, perhaps, Mm -hmm. when you're seeing a neurologist, highly skilled specialist, you know? Oh. I thought that was like the epitome of a write off, of like, nah, whatever. You'll be fine. Well, the real kicker with mine is that when I look back at the heart rate and the blood pressure, no, those are not normal. <laughs> Why was everybody telling me things are normal? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And mine jumps. Mine just jumps all around. My blood pressure. I'm one of those that just spikes and plummets. And oh yeah, my heart rate really too. And uh, yeah, there's so much. You just go back to when I was 14, and there there's so much info. You can see it right there. The other problem I've actually had is that. Um, I have had people either not be able to feel my pulse because it's so thready or the machine wouldn't pick it up. So they would guess and write in a number. So yeah, I had that, that, that that's kind of a regular occurrence. And then I'm at this point now I'm sure to say that's not, (laughs) my heart rate has never been that. My heart rate's always pretty high.
0: So, very interested in your journey. You went all this time without a diagnosis and then you finally got a diagnosis. What were the first things that your doctor uh, told you to start doing?
1: Well, both of my parents are doctors. Hmm. So, my mom actually found the diagnosis. She had been going to uh, one of the yearly, I can't remember what they're called, the conferences, one of the yearly conferences, mm-hmm. yeah. and had came across the POTS lecture and was like, oh, bingo, this is it. This is exactly it. And I was just the, you know, I'm textbook case. I'm the stereotype, <laughs> practically. <laughs> um, so my mom actually discovered it, I guess. Um, oh, wow. And so I went to my regular doctor because we didn't know anybody who dealt with it. It took mm-hmm. me another few years to find somebody who dealt with, and then, and then it took me forever to get in with them. <laughs> and, yeah. Uh, so I just saw my regular doctor, um, and so we tried beta blockers first. But I mean, more important, just just. I just finally felt so justified, so vindicated having, um, absolutely. A diagnosis. i mm-hmm. was so relieved because I didn't know how to feel better. Otherwise, you know, the advice had just been ignore it, which you can't mm-hmm. really do with pots. It's real, real
0: fight through the pain. Like it's, it, it's like, it doesn't work like that. You can't just fight
1: through the syncope. like, mm-hmm. what are you supposed to do? There's, you know, reality. Yeah. So, um, yeah, we just—it took a very, very long time, and I change over time. My pots has changed over time. I, has yours?
0: I it it absolutely has. Yeah, there was there was a good three four year period there where they weaned me off all medication. I wasn't wearing compression socks. I you know didn't really do any sodium, um, and it was it was wild. And then I got a vaccine uh, because my. Brother and sister in law decided to have a baby, which was a great idea. He's adorable. Uh, I now have two nephews, and they're like, "Oh, but to meet the kid, everybody's getting these Tdap, Dtap, whatever those uh, vaccines are." And yeah. so I, I got the booster one, and then it just came back like full force, just like before.
1: Oh, that's so. horrifying.
0: Yeah, but uh, it's one of those things like you know, hundred. I would do it four hundred times again because it's like I can you know I've gone through the pots. I can handle the pots. I I don't want to give my nephew shingles or measles (laughs) or whatever the terrible things are that are in that cocktail of vaccine. So that's
1: interesting. That's mm -hmm. that's a new one too. I've never heard of that.
0: Huh. Oh, I'm I'm just I'm a doctor's you know fantasy. They... Well, I if
1: it works a little differently in men than women, or something like that. Or well, who knows? It seems to be different for everybody. So,
0: oh, absolutely, yeah.
1: All the medications. Once I start really having trouble, I it's usually medication related. Mm-hmm. Something's changed, and I need to shift. So, nothing medication for me has been uh, like solidly reliable. Um, but I. At that time my insurance covered tights,
2: which
1: is one pair.
0: That's impressive. I got a
1: prescription prescription for them and uh, yeah, the compression stockings have helped so much. And I have specific brands if if you want to know anything like that.
0: Absolutely. Yeah. What are you wearing?
1: I'm wearing so my favorite, I like Medivin. Um So, I like the. Now, these are really, really tight. So, if you don't like them really (laughs) tight, uh, they're the Medivin Comfort. And I get them as tight as they come, which is 30 to 40
0: millimeters of mercury. Yeah, yeah.
1: that's right. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you're right. Um, So, the Medivin Comfort. I like the full, like, that come up to the waist. And, oh, those help so much. If I'm going to be upright, those make the biggest difference. Or if I want to exercise or something Mm. like that, that makes – it helps with pain. It helps with everything. Those are really miraculous for me. And, unfortunately, no medication has ever been as reliable. Got it. So I like the Medivin Comfort. For dress up, or if you want them like a little less tight, the Medivin sheer and soft are good too. But uh, and they're like a little more dressy, a little more refined (laughs) looking. And you know, I will say if for listeners that like dressing up vintage and stuff, like a lot of the you can get really good waist cinchers now and like shapewear that are so helpful. They're your best friend for pots, and then you can look nice, and it's fun. And I'm
0: or, I'm listening to an entire list. I'm listening to an entire list of things I cannot wear out in public. <laughs> I cannot wear in my home. I've I've tried the like waist high tight type, type. Yeah, things. yeah. Different for guys, you know, guys yeah. out there, you know. I I do the knee high socks. Um, I was
1: wondering, yeah, the knees, the socks were just not. They're not near as magical as the tights room, but yeah, I, I was wondering what, I mean, they have leggings, but they're not great.
0: Yeah. No, I've, I've tried the, the, the worst yeah. ones of all were like a thigh high one that it just, it stopped oh. mid thigh. Yeah. Not great. Um, yeah.
1: Any yeah. of those really cut off or cause I've tried them like footless and, you know, mm-hmm. so that I can maybe wear them in the summer a little more easily. Any of those that cut off, like at the thigh or something, they're really (laughs) uncomfortable. Yeah, it just doesn't work as well. So I I love the tights, though. They work really well. And then salt. I hack the salt. Like if I'm buying anything pre-prepared, I usually look for um, 20% or higher of your daily sodium intake for for serving. Mm Mm-hmm. So, I do that, and then water is tons of salt, water tights. those are my go to's. None of medications have helped, certainly. Um, but the, it changes for me for some reason. I just keep having to readjust and play around with them, and it's such a pain because <laughs> it takes so much time.
0: Oh, it does no i've I've tried multiple medications uh they first started me on beta blockers that i had to do every 4 hours it wasn't the extended relief or release it was the wow. just in the moment one uh so that was there, fun yeah. that was great uh, Is there a
1: specific reason why that that particular kind
0: i i don't know i mean this was 2008 and i was just i, I was just taking whatever they gave me it was one of those you know oh sure we'll do it I finally got off the beta blockers for those couple of years where I almost had abs because i didn't wasn't taking in four hundred pounds of sodium every day and it's like oh, this is what why normal people you're not normal, but I mean I live in Los Angeles, so this is what normal people look like um, yeah, and then we did a Corlinor, uh bream or something it's not oh. Oh yeah, yeah. It I did not have a good experience with that.
1: I was going to say that one can be pretty nasty.
0: Yeah, it ended. I ended up in the in Cedars in the hospital here. I was out of work for like a month, pretty much. It was just yeah.
1: Celebrity. Did you see any celebrities at Cedars? They, they don't put me.
0: Oh, they don't. I, and, and I don't go in the celebrity entrance. They don't put me oh. in the same. I go in with the, the ambulances and all that stuff. And, you know, I try to throw around some names of like, hey, I kind of know these people. Does this
1: give me oh, any treatment? It didn't work. Oh, no. darn. If only you could get the celebrity treatment. I, it would lessen the suffering a bit, I have to say. It definitely would. My heart rate lately has been getting low enough on its own when I'm resting that it's too... Like, I've cut it down into fourths, and even when I do that, it's too much.
2: Oh, okay. So,
1: but then it will zing really high. I, I, yeah, so who knows? Who knows what's happening with me for that? I always have to try different things.
0: So you, you mentioned that you like to... You uh, you do a lot of sodium. Uh, yeah. you mainline sodium same here uh do you do any type of like electrolyte drinks is that a big yes. thing that you do
1: yeah i love the nun sport tabs hmm. i do, i take them with me everywhere i use what i do actually what i found really helpful is um i rotate my water <laughs> kind of so i have like three different waters next to me right now <laughs> um i have uh
0: yeah one of those soda stream type things? Is yes, it? A- that's
1: what I have. So I switch between sparkling water, purified water. I'll even have tap water. I'll do <laughs> nuns. I'll do, you know, anything because I feel like it that finally satisfies me. If I have to, like, just one form,
2: mm-hmm.
1: for some reason that just doesn't work as well for me. I don't know if it's the different electrolytes or. All right, maybe I just need another different taste or something. I have no idea what it is but that works really well for me when I can just switch around different waters, which uh, I'm going to have to now.
0: The The crazy life of people with pots, trying different types of waters.
1: Uh, how to carry it with you. Do you have a good Yeah, how do you carry yours with you? I always try to smuggle it in my purse, but then I have like these huge purses.
0: So at work, I really don't I mean, as of right now, you know, we're in a pandemic, so I'm working from the unpermitted shed in our backyard. Um, but at work, I kind of really don't have an office. I'm kind of a nomad because uh, a couple of the shows I work on um, shoot at Paramount, and then other ones shoot at Sony, uh, mm-hmm. and then our headquarters is somewhere else. So I'm always in my car, and I'm so I'm a backpack guy. So I've got them in my backpack, and then, but. I'm a for people not seeing the video. I'm a dueling water bottle person. This is the sodium one, and then this is just the the regular water. I I don't get fancy with the fizzy, the fizzy, and you know I get a little uh, TMI gassy at times with too much fizz. So yeah, it's it's not nice to be around me when that happens. So I try right. to keep it down as much as possible. Well,
1: that's why I opted not to have it for the <laughs> for the podcast. Normally, it'd have like. Four different kinds of water next to me. Uh, yeah, I found a backpack that has three water bottle holders. Ooh. And it weighs it down ridiculously, but <laughs> so useful. It's really necessary.
0: Oh no, I I have you know in my backpack. People think it's all work stuff, and it's probably like one third work yeah, stuff.
2: important, then.
0: so important, wearing a backpack to a studio.
2: Yeah, you're so hard. Yeah, I
0: look, <laughs> I look like I'm the oldest college student of all time. They're like, "Are you an intern?"
2: That's no. true. Yeah, yeah that's a look
0: to it. <laughs> so, uh, very very interested in how uh, your habits have changed. We're in the middle of a massive global pandemic. Um, have your habits changed at all with you taking care of your pots? Do you have a exercise regimen that you used to do that you can no longer do? Uh, anything of that variety?
1: No, Good. <laughs> pretty much no. That's awesome because most everything has moved online, and it's been it's been really great for me. Actually, I've uh, I feel like I can do so much more because I don't have the travel time, yeah. and I don't spend my energy traveling. So I've actually been doing more and I feel like in a weird way being oddly more social because people actually have time to chat and catch up and, and all that just, just not in person. So I'm actually, I've adapted really well. Um, I like to do, you know, I, I did a graded exercise program that Mm. was extremely difficult, (laughs) but you know, I've tried to maintain, what I can and have shifted to things that I really enjoy. So I try to take a number of like zoom dance classes and things like that. And I, it's really fun. I enjoy, I mean, it's not the same as in person, mm-hmm. but there, there are benefits to it. I mean, there's people can join in from all over. So yeah, the, the last one I did remember where she was from i think brazil someone was from brazil and australia and oh wow people were all over and that's really interesting so it's changed but it's just been a shift and i have to say that that uh that is one thing about having pots and having that level of adversity i feel like all of my chronically ill friends with the pandemic are like (laughs) <laughs> whatever, no problem. Been through this before. Done
0: something similar. You know? Yeah.
1: I think it, it as annoying as it is to hear, <laughs> it really does help build resilience and it ha- teaches you to cope and problem solve and l- hopefully has taught you how to s- advocate for yourself mm-hmm. because there's a lot of that you need to do. So yeah, that's been really interesting. I feel like s- Absolutely no contest. My friends with chronic illness, this is just no big deal. I mean, unless there's real financial struggle, and certainly some of them are having that. But in terms of their emotional life and social life, yeah, I mean, once you've dealt with a chronic illness, like, there's a pandemic. I mean, I feel terrible. I don't want to belittle Mm -mm anybody suffering or and certainly not the lives lost nothing like that but
2: oh i totally
0: know what you're talking about
1: yeah in terms of having to quarantine i think a lot of chronically ill people essentially live in quarantine Mm -hmm. i certainly have friends i mean i have one friend who's like I haven't been to a store since 2011. This is this is literally nothing for me. And, yeah, and
0: another like, eight months. Yeah.
1: Yeah, like I said, not to like you know celebrate and downplay the pandemic. I certainly certainly would never do that. I am very fearful of people I love getting COVID and myself getting COVID and then getting worse pots or my parents getting COVID. I'm certainly mindful of that, but compared to, you know, other uh, struggles I've gone through, it, it's, we can do this, POTS people. We're meant for this.
0: <laughs> if there was ever a community that needed to stay home, like, we got it. Yeah.
1: yeah.
0: Reach out. We've yeah. got, I, I know what to watch on Netflix. I, you oh, know, yeah. if you want to, if you want to burn 50 hours of your life, do this, watch this, you know, we've, we've got those skills.
1: To oh, I'm ninja staying at home, you know, <laughs> everything delivered. I've done this. This is fine. We've mm-hmm. been here before. So, yeah. It's interesting to talk to uh, my chronically ill friends and, and those who are not, and not too, diminish their suffering by any means but i do notice that my i get what do i call them the normies the normals
0: (laughs) the others
1: they are struggling more like uh yeah i I think a lot of the chronically ill people have figured out how to learn this lifestyle for many years and and lots of cases
0: so well it sounds like you've got a great community of chronic illness friends Uh, that's very important
1: it's so important. Um, and I worked really, it was a lot of work to find that. And I'm telling you, you kids these days with the internet and having a diagnosis too.
2: Mm
1: -hmm. I'm not as old as I sound. I
0: (laughs) know it's like, we're kind of similar. And it's like these kids, I'm looking at these kids.
1: And especially on Instagram, the people who have it do tend to be quite a bit younger, who are Mm -hmm. like out and being advocates and and all that. And it's, I think most people who have POTS are young, right? I want to put a falsehood out there. Who knows? Because it's not diagnosed and they may be discouraged like I was, like this doctor's, they're just going to tell me I'm fine.
0: And, and that could all very change post-COVID because I've, as you probably have, I've read many articles of these COVID long haulers who uh, now are getting very quickly diagnosed with POTS. And it's like, where was this a while ago? There's a wonderful article, I think in The Atlantic, uh, it, a, written first person by one of their writers. I could have the publication wrong, but it's one of those. And she now has POTS and lives in new york and is in a multi-story walk-up type thing and in order oh,
1: interest will you send me that
0: oh absolutely Art- yeah
1: oh i read that um well yeah i'm very sorry for her the, that's yeah that is part of my stress about covid is somebody getting it and surviving with you know the post-viral life i had i would not wish that on anybody i really wouldn't um yeah yeah, that's terrifying. I will say, so for the chronic illness community, if I'll circle back here, um, I'll mention a few places that I feel like have been really helpful. I actually joined a chronic illness support, support group um, a little over a year ago, and that has been hugely helpful. It is the Center for Chronic Illness And they do, now they're doing everything via Zoom, but they have a, where I am, Seattle, they have an in Washington, but they also have one that is people from all over. Um, And they have specific groups for different illnesses, but they also just have general, general chronic illness, rare chronic illness, things like that. And that has been tremendously helpful for me. And, you know, I've kept contact with people in the group and... That's been fantastic, and there's also um, there's something called Support Group Central, oh. and that's where they work through. But if you their their um, groups can fill up pretty fast, so you may be able to find something that's a little more localized, but still meeting over Zoom. Mm-hmm. Um, but they have a lot of resources on those websites, which I could send to you if you like. and um,
0: Well, definitely. And if you're listening to this and would like to go to any of those websites, you can go to the description of this podcast. We will keep those right in there. That's my little podcast thing. I have to do that. Mm
1: -hmm. That's perfect. These have helped so much. I found, you know, there's just so much good information from everybody. I don't want to have to go to every doctor myself. and But like I said, what is most interesting about these groups is that... Nobody, nobody really has a similar illness. Actually, it's quite diverse. A lot of expected ill, like lupus or something, you know, kind of, uh, but regardless of their situation and ability, there's so much in common. There's so much that overlaps and that is just so valuable. So I've really enjoyed that and it's introduced me to great people it's been very
0: helpful that's fantastic and yeah. in in so you you do have this type of community uh mm-hmm. but there are a lot of people who don't understand chronic illness and that type of thing uh what is one of like the biggest misconceptions about your chronic illness that you've encountered with other people
1: oh I think generally, like, that you're malingering, you're not trying hard enough, you're not having happy thoughts, <laughs> uh, you're not thinking yourself magically out of this. Um, that if you,
0: you believe, can, clap, yeah. You
1: know, that you get a, a benefit out of it, I guess, like that, yeah. I, I suppose that there is, you know, when I was first ill, so many doctors thought I was, quote, faking it. And that just blew my mind. Like, I could not imagine somebody would fake feeling like this for doctor's attentions. Really? That, I, uh, it still blows my mind. It, the concept still blows. I understand that it happens.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: I think it's really overblown. I think that is quite a bit more rare than, <laughs> than, it it is accused of being Mm -hmm. I, you know, and I was 14 at the time. Like I'd never, I didn't want to miss out on life. I didn't want to, you know, I wanted to get back to doing what I was doing. Yeah. So um, that you're faking it for some type of gain is just preposterous. It's so ridiculous. Not that I haven't had, some, like I said, you know, I'm gaining coping skills. Certainly I've learned how to advocate for myself. Mm-hmm. That is not the same as, you know, like a lot of people will say, oh, you get to nap often, or you lie down often, or you, oh, you don't have to work or you know, all these types of comments that chronically ill people get are just ridiculous,
0: Oh, yeah, absolutely. And in, you know, uh, you'll read in this uh, the article that I'll send you about this COVID yeah. long hauler and the abject horror of people who get these so quickly and now getting it in the middle of a pandemic and having these symptoms, it's wow. it you know, they they talk about it as being life-changing and it's like yeah. it's like yeah, it is. Yeah. It, it absolutely is. is.
1: Wow, that's really Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what happens. I do feel like the pandemic has made things so much more accessible to people with disabilities, with a chronic illness or uh, something like that, because all of a sudden you can do all these classes online, you can work from home, whereas I know many disabled or chronically ill people have advocated for those very same things, and now it's like, boom, here you go, world.
0: Oh, and many, and we may we're not going to go back to how it was. Uh, many corporations I work for, a corporation, right. they're talking about you know, a hybrid work schedule, and oh,
1: interesting, and,
0: and and that's exactly what all of us said when we heard it too, because it's you know they're it's it's a money thing. So for them
2: we don't this space. To, oh
0: yeah. They or, they don't need to spend all this money. And they found that, Hey, we're actually adults and we're going to do the work. We're not just going to sit at home and right. not do anything. Right. So, yes, yes, yeah.
1: yeah, I've certainly learned how to teach myself, how to do things. I, I think from having pots, because I really had to become incredibly self-reliant from a Early, early age, you know, like the schools were not helping me. The doctors were not helping me. You, you have to figure out how to work it on your own. And sometimes that can be good. But I would wish for other people to have more help than I had. But, you know, I can see that it's had certain benefits. But uh, are you, so are you someone who likes to work from home or is that you kind of need that energy to get going or?
0: I'm. Definitely a hybrid type person. If mm-hmm. if I have stuff we need to do, if it's a creative project where I need to sit down and edit, I need to write, I need to do that type of thing, working from home has been wonderful uh, yeah. because nobody's yeah. knocking on the door. There are no interruptions. I can just yeah. get into that. Uh, but, I mean, you also are, are a creative person as well. When we are doing something big and creative and we're giving notes and we want to talk about something, it's different over, it's definitely different. I mean, you can, it, just in talking with you, if you were sitting right here, this conversation would go very differently because even those just small little moments of just the lag from LA to Seattle, uh, right. were, we're just, it, it's, it's not making for a bad conversation, but it's definitely a different conversation. Uh, and especially working in television, not being able to be on set when we're yeah. recording stuff for me and we can't be in the control room. We can't be on, I can't even be on the lot. They're not letting, you know, it's, it's only essential personnel only, um, that yeah. we're on the lot. So it's, so it, I don't miss the driving, uh, the, this podcast and you know, my Instagram account came from me finding three hours every day when I wasn't driving around Los Angeles. So it's yes. like, you know,
1: well,
0: yeah. oh, I should do but something should positive
1: like oh i have all this
0: time mm-hmm. yeah oh i've and i've definitely fallen behind on listening to podcasts and listening to audiobooks and the radio i don't know what's popular you know what people are listening to but it's you know no, the 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 less commute thing has been just you know absolutely wild i'll be excited when we can go back and be on the lot and you know be on stage and do that type of stuff but you know, the hybrid thing will be very interesting to see how we tow that line.
1: So, are you able to manage your pots better being at home?
0: So, no, for me, oh. I so like being virtual is not helpful to me. I'm a exercise helps me the most. That mm-hmm. is the thing that I've absolutely found that helps. And I do have a physical-ish job. I'm walking around. You know, my office isn't that stage. I'm walking a stage. These stages are, you know, massive. They shoot Titanic on these things. So there's a lot of walking around. There's a lot of moving. There's a lot of that type of stuff. And then the gym was like my uh, haven. You know, good and yeah. now I you can go like to an outdoor boot camp type thing and I'm like, I'm good. I'm gonna, you know, I've got a exercise bike and we've got, you know, a home gym thing in the garage. But uh yeah. I'm one of the rare people who it's like I wanna I wanna get I, I need to move more. And there are just so many Zoom calls and Zoom meetings throughout the day when I'd be walking to the commissary and going to get lunch or we'd, you know, go walk to some place and, you know, go do this.
1: You had your pot's care essentially built into your job.
0: I did, and it took a long time. I got lucky with a job that I could do that. Um, there, because I I tried a bunch of things. I I went to film school, so I tried doing like, oh, what if I worked on a set? What if I did that type of thing? And a mm-hmm. film set is not a friendly place for somebody with pots with me. There's a lot of standing around. Yeah, um, yeah. And so you know, it's not great when you're in the middle of a take. And I did a lot of producing and assistant directing and that type of stuff. And you're feeling a little woozy in the middle of a take. And it's like, oh, so if I pass out here, it'll ruin the take. We'll have to redo it. The, this actor is going to get pissed. This person was having, and it was just like, you know what? I need to find something that's not so, if I pass out, the world is, I get Christian Bale yelling at me. And then it goes viral online and then it becomes a thing. And he's, you know, I, I don't need that in my life.
1: So I have a question. Then uh, this is a big issue for me. When I have a job like that, I get like anticipatory stress. Mm -hmm. Like I worry about (laughs) feeling woozy. Mm Do you have ways to cope with that? Because it sounds like you know you figured out what didn't work, and I don't know. Sounds like you're pretty. Your job worked well for you.
0: It does, and there are times where I have to be on set. Uh, Something that people have picked up on that I work with they notice yeah. that I stand with my legs crossed. And oh. and so that, I mean, it's just one of those. Th- and then when I do have to, I wear very soft shoes because being able to sort of move a little bit it, within, mm-hmm. like, you know, I'm not just pacing around.
1: Yeah, I get what you're saying. Yeah,
0: so there's a lot of leg crossing while Should- standing.
1: Mm-hmm. Should- a
0: little. Yeah. Um, and there's a lot of uh, what I found is, you know, just getting your leg muscles moving enough that can get things from not pooling and just mm-hmm. getting it to start moving. It, you know, the, the heart rate does go up because you are, you know, active and you are tensing muscles and moving and doing all that type of thing. But it uh, it helps you from you know passing out.
1: See, but I end up wasting a lot of energy over, and I'm getting better at it. But it's this has really always been such a big thing. Is that I get really nervous about feeling like I'm going to pass out. You know, like mm. I get anticipatory stress. Like like I said, yeah. Uh, I just, how do you combat that? Are you ever nervous like going on to set? Like, oh, today does not feel good i mean for me the pandemic just not having to deal with that aspect Mm -hmm. of like going out and then worrying because i'm going out and like i said it's even better like i've really worked on this (laughs) but um that part of the pandemic has been such a relief for me because now i just don't worry about that and i would love to keep it that way it doesn't do any good to worry about it of Mm -hmm. course it doesn't tell but is that something you deal with that's what i'm wondering
0: yeah and there there isn't and the the things that i've learned have helped the anxiety because okay. I, I definitely have gotten to points where i get close to passing out and you know we're in a big group of people uh my big thing is not having anything i can like lean on if there's yeah. like a railing or if there's something a wall a, a, a chair I can just hold onto that helps my anxiety Uh that in the moment it's definitely there. It, it has, it took a while. I need to figure out how I can stand here at some point without, you know, really passing out or screwing up or doing anything like that. So it definitely was things like I are close to Disneyland. I would go with friends to Disneyland And usually the way that I would be in line and do that type of thing is I, I, I would, uh, lean on stuff and you, you do that type of thing or, but I wanted to be like, I made it a a practice. Like I'm going to stand in this for like 60 minutes, which is something somebody with pots should not be doing. And we're like not built to do. And it's like, what can I do in the moment to tense things up, to get things going, to make, you know, my lower legs, you know, push some blood up to keep it moving. Um, and so that's a long-winded way of saying, yeah, I do get that anxiety. And this yeah. is what I've done.
1: Yeah. yeah, I've actually gotten the disability pass at Disneyland, which made things so much easier. Oh, wow. And really, I feel so guilty about it, though, because I know looks-wise, people are like, she doesn't need that. Who needs that? Um. But it helped. I mean, I wouldn't have been able to do near as much mm-hmm. if I didn't have that. It made a huge, tremendous difference. So, you, that's an option. I'm just saying.
0: Oh, oh, absolutely. I, uh, I, my family would go to. I'm from Ohio, so we would go to Orlando for vacation. And I like, wow. I broke an ankle or did something like that, so I was in like a wheelchair. And I was like sixth grade or something. And we got the front of the line treatment for everything because I was probably a young kid in a wheelchair.
1: I don't think they do that for people in wheelchairs anymore. Like they've decided they can wait in line. Yeah, now.
0: Like you're good. And it's like, yeah, but I, I probably looked really sad and pathetic because I was a very skinny kid. So skinny kid in a wheelchair, they're just like, uh, oh, get them in the front of the line. Yeah. 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 I've I've absolutely am loving this conversation. Uh, mm-hmm. I've sent you a ton of questions, and we're just going all around. Um okay. So uh, the, there are a bunch that you've already answered. So thank you mm-hmm. so much. Uh, mm-hmm. Thank you for coming prepared. This has been absolutely wonderful. Um,
1: oh, I used my notes really, but
0: <laughs> no, but I mean it. It shows that you <laughs> thought about <laughs> this. <laughs>
1: Yeah, it to- was really helpful, yeah.
0: So we're just going to end on a, a couple, you know, just of the the cookie cutter questions, just sure. interested to see where your mind is with that type of thing. Uh so we first became acquainted on Instagram. Uh if uh, anybody out there would like to follow uh Rachel on Instagram, we'll we'll tag her in all of these posts. She has an absolutely fantastic aesthetic. Uh if you dig anything just uh, we're talking on Friday the 13th. And it's a so it's definitely a little bit of a spooky day, and uh, it seemed like a uh, October was just your Super Bowl month. There were a lot of great posts, and uh, Iggy, her pug, was absolutely adorable during Halloween. So those things will probably they'll definitely still be up there.
1: Still be up there.
0: That's great.
1: Fourteenth in twenty twenty. I have to add.
0: Oh God! So yeah, we.
1: It's a memorable day.
0: yeah, if we can get through the next five hours, it'll be, oh, that's good. Um, so we we did meet on Instagram. Uh, oh. and so are, are there any other uh, spoony uh, chronic illness Instagram accounts that you follow that you enjoy?
1: Well, like the friends I've met from the chronic illness support groups, we all chat and go back and forth on uh, on Instagram, and that's really helpful. But one in particular, because I just think she's so amazing at articulating the experience of chronic illness. It's uh, words as medicine. At words as medicine. Hmm. Let's see. I'll pull it up. I
0: have to follow them.
1: Her name's Christina, artist and MECFS advocate. My work focuses on the chronic illness experience, my love of nature, and creative expression. So she does a lot of artwork, but then. The descriptions, the what what she writes about it, it's just like I've had this for twenty five years, and she can just articulate it so perfectly and beautifully in ways that I've never been able to. So I have great admiration for that, and she's so open too. I, I know for me, I had I've just had so much shame around various aspects of being chronically ill mm-hmm. about. Uh, you know, how much it it impacted my life, my education, my relationships, my ability to do things to, to essentially be who I want to be. Um, and so her, her honesty is just so refreshing and she's so great at wording it. Like I said, uh, she's just articulate in a way that I have yet to be able to be so
0: i love people like that i envy those type of people who can take something that'll take me eight minutes to describe and then they just have this beautiful summary and it's like ah that's great
1: well and her pictures just really get to a feeling too you're like oh i completely get what she's saying here it's it's so perfect i think she does a really great job um so yeah in terms of uh, chronic illness accounts I really love that one I'm so moved by her work and words her ability to word things you know like I said like I've blathered on about it's just incredible that's great. and I wish I had that, I wish I had that talent especially for a podcast <laughs> but ah uh, it's so hard when you're in the thick of it to really articulate some of those feelings and I feel like she's done that for me so it's really nice
0: Oh, I ran away from my chronic illness for years. I yeah. I mean, I was, you know, diagnosed and then I got all this great advice from doctors and I was like, OK, so for the next three years, I'm going to do the direct opposite of all these things because I want to be a college student and I want to, you know, have these thank God I'm alive parties. And that's the worst thing you could do. Um, Were there any big mistakes that you made in your chronic illness journey that you learned a lot from?
1: Oh, You know, my biggest mistake was probably um, not pursuing a diagnosis, though. I don't know how helpful that would have been because to this day, like I said, I've only seen one doctor who had previously heard of it. Mm -hmm. So I do regret not getting diagnosed earlier, but... Yeah, I wouldn't say I, I like things that make me feel good. So, I mean, I wish I could like join my friends for a cocktail or something, but I feel terrible. <laughs> I feel terrible drinking. I mean, I do you too? Is that I don't that's a
0: yeah, I don't drink really anymore. Um, you know, like I got married this past year. So, you know, at the wedding, there was definitely stuff, but yeah, but I. I like trained for the wedding like I was a Marine, you know, oh, good, just like, you know, because exercise really helped. So, you know, I was in great shape and people are like, oh, you're going to look good for the pictures. And it's like, this is so I don't pass out. <laughs> like, this is so yeah. I can be here the entire
2: day.
1: Yeah. I mean, when I went to Disneyland, I I prepared. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I was- that's a lot of walking to do, and oh. the fact that I got through it is, you know, I wouldn't have been able to do that ten years ago for sure.
0: But that's awesome that you can now. You can now. You're at a place where you can do that.
1: Yeah. So yeah, not a mistake. I, I guess more of a regret in a way. Mercifully, I like. I do like the things that help me. I find that pleasurable to feel better. So mm-hmm. it, there's not anything. You know, and I'm older too. I'm not like a college kid who's like, I'm going to party. I always say I'm the ghost of the party. (laughs) I am not the party. I am the ghost of the party. I tend to warn people that, like, you know, my Instagram looks fun. I can at least (laughs) shiny and fun on there. But in person, prepare yourself for the ghost of the party. And it's not, you know, shyness or anything. I'm just, You know, you're just not able if you have a chronic illness, you're really not able to, you know, enjoy life in the same way that other people do. You have to work you have to find your own way to enjoy your life.
0: Yeah, I was I was twenty-seven the last time I took a shot and I'm like, that's it. That's I no, never again. If I ever if I ever drink, it's going to be a slow you know, I'm going to nurse one thing for about 30 hours and it's just a, the straight alcohol to the system. It's like, my body's like, Oh no, we're not going to let yeah. you forget this. And I haven't, I have, it's, it's a visceral memory.
1: Yeah. I think like when a, a lot of times when I tell people I don't drink, they think that means like not very much or not. <laughs> not often. And it's like, Oh, no, I really, really, it doesn't do me any good.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: It, I, pretty terrible and that's a hard that's pretty hard concept for people to grasp actually i get get a fair amount of a question fair amount of questions around that like why not well what does it do to you and and all that so i don't know
0: and they think there's a good story (laughs) behind it of like oh you don't drink anymore what was it like and it's like it wasn't like i used to have a beer and then a mixed drink and then somebody would do a shot and then I couldn't move for a week. So that's, that's the exciting story.
1: I know. I, I'm not quite sure why there's always that there, there does seem to be a certain level of fascination around it. Mm -hmm. I don't, that I don't really share. I don't know. Sorry. That's why I'm the host of the party.
0: (laughs) Every group needs somebody like that. It's, it's evens everything out. So, uh, as, as we've talked about, chronic illness is definitely a roller coaster, and we definitely talked about the lows, but the good thing about a roller coaster and the lows is the momentum does carry that cart back up to the top. When you're at the top, when you've got that energy, you've got your four waters in front of you, the fizzy, the filtered, the tap, the electrolyte one, you're feeling good, the dog is in a good mood. What do you like to do with that time?
1: Oh, I, I've really enjoyed the zoom online dance classes. Actually. I love taking my dog. Yeah. Playing with my dog is a huge thing. He's my stress reliever. I love playing with him, but if I'm feeling good, I'm going to do something active. I'm going to use that time to do something active. And my favorite form of activity is some form of dance. I've, um, I found, I mean, certain forms lend themselves better to pots. So I kind of like a swing or a vintage style. And that's interesting to me. I need to have something engaging my brain when I'm exercising. Um, And there's so much history to that, that it's really interesting to me on a number of levels. So if I'm feeling good, that is what I want to do. I want to use, or, you know, if I and feeling good and I have something to write or speak or say, whatever, however I can best use my energy for that day is always ideal.
0: (laughs) So a while back I had one of these eureka moments where I felt that, uh, the little mermaid has pots and it was one of those I would talk about. It's the Russell Crowe, beautiful mind thing where all of these pieces just like fit together before your eyes And you're like, well, wow, I guess maybe somebody somewhere, you know, had POTS back in the day, didn't know how to uh, kind of explain it, and then created some sort of allegory for it. So in your travels, readings, movies, thoughts, have you come across any fictional characters that you think may have POTS?
1: Okay, so I had to go through the, uh, I guess I just looked to movies for this. I didn't really think of books, um. So I had to go through the spectrum of movies I like. And I like classic films mm. mostly. I, I just have to mention my favorite, since you're in the L.A. area, my favorite thing to do there is to go to the cemeteries uh. and see. I just love doing that. Seeing all the old Hollywood stars where they were buried is so interesting to me. That is my absolute favorite thing to do. While I'm in LA, it's so interesting to me, um, I'm getting way off topic here, but like you just learn so much about people and there's always an odd surprise in a way Mm -hmm. where you're like, huh, I wonder why they did that. Mm -hmm. That's that's interesting. (laughs) So I don't know. I love going to look at those. So anyway, I got way off track. (laughs) Okay. And this is stretching it, but it still amused me. So, Kitty Packard, as played by Jean Harlow in Dinner at Eight. Now, I'll send you a clip. Okay. Have you seen that movie? I
0: know of it. Haven't seen it.
1: Okay. So, she spends most of the movie in bed eating chocolates, <laughs> which is ideal, obviously. She's got her lifestyle now, being very glamorous, having a maid, mm-hmm. but... As we know, like you said, the activity does help you. So I'm going to argue that she has situational pots because of all of her time spent lounging glamorously in bed and eating chocolates. <laughs> it's fantastic as that is. So I'll send you a clip from that because uh. it, it is not to be missed. I love that. I thought that was that was what first came to mind. I think we might need to consider the scarecrow from Wizard of Oz. He's very bendy. Ooh. He's very. Very bendy. Ooh. I think he might have Eller Stanlow's. Look at all those joints, like flying all around. And that's
0: a really good one. Yeah,
1: yeah, that one. Cowardly Lion. Obviously, there's some anxiety issues happening. <laughs> I can't. I can't handle- these things, I just have suspicions. So those are the, those are the ones I've come up with that I was pretty amused by.
0: Those are awesome. I I love this question. I like to end this on this question because,
1: really because
0: it, it and it also gives me a little peek in and gives the listeners a peek into you know who you are as a person. What are you watching? Where does your brain go when you have this type yeah. of thing? And and in seeing your you know your aesthetic and following you on Instagram, you know this is very uh, I would say very on brand for you yeah. as a person yeah. <laughs> so yeah
1: yeah I'm sure I could come up with more there's got to be like an Alfred Hitchcock where there's some weird syndrome or something I mean
0: there, there are so many movies between like the 1930s and the 1950s where every other scene women are just passing out for for no reason that's
1: very true mm-hmm. that's very true um yeah none of those. For some reason, the dinner, the picture of her just like lounging in bed during dinner at eight is what came to mind. And she does continually call the doctor, but they are having an affair. So I don't know how much that counts.
0: Thank you everyone for tuning into this week's episode of the Chronic Illness Playbook. If you haven't already, please subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts. And while you're there, we really wouldn't mind if you left us a positive comment in reading. You can find more information about the podcast at Chronic Illness Playbook on Instagram or visit us at ChronicIllnessPlaybook.com. Well, that's it for me today. I really appreciate you spending some time with us. And until next time, spoons up, everybody. Chronic Illness Playbook podcast is for informational and or entertainment purposes only and is not a substitute for medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. The information about products and services contained on this podcast does not constitute endorsement or recommendation by the Chronic Illness Playbook. The Chronic Illness Playbook is not responsible nor liable for any advice, course of treatment, diagnosis, or any other information, services, or products that you obtain through this podcast.